You are listening to the Be Fit and Me podcast with your co-host, Lena. And your co-host, Amber. Be Fit and Me is a podcast dedicated to women. And men. Okay. Who want the best out of life. Our goal is to create a community where we can share our struggles, victories, and experiences to encourage not only ourselves, but you, and to inspire each other. We're not experts, doctors, or psychologists, but hope you'll follow us on this insane journey as we strive to have it all. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Be Fit and Me podcast episode. I'm your co-host, Amber. And I am your co-host, Lena. Welcome back. Uh, We hope you had a good week, good weekend, good Mother's Day, and all of that, right? Just a well-rounded good week. And we're back for another... It's been a long, stressful period at work, which will be coming to an end this week. So I am definitely looking forward to that. And I hope... You know, you guys out there listening didn't have too much of a stressful week. I hope everything was smooth sailing, you know, weren't in a lot of traffic. The weather was good and all of that. And today, we're I guess it's a kind of a continuation of what we talked about last week. I mean, it's all of, on the fertility. Conception, pregnancy, motherhood. Yeah, all of that. And so we're going to talk more, not necessarily, I did mention Amber's story, but we're not going to talk specifically of her story, but just more information related to fertility. Um, Some of the things we're going to highlight is the woman's body in general, just overall, how we're affected by different things and what we know and don't know. Um, The second thing, different tests that measure fertility for both male and female, but our main focus is going to be females, but we'll add in a few things um, related to men. And then the third thing are supplements. Amber, I think has listed a few supplements you can take to help with fertility and as well, as well as some medications that will help with ovulation and some fertility issues that you may be having, or you weren't even aware of. A lot of these things you weren't aware of, and we're just opening your eyes up to some new information. And then the fourth thing, Amber's going to share a little bit of where she's at in her fertility journey and the stage she's at now. So she's just going to share a little bit about that. And then, of course, at the end, we're going to have our me moment. So that is the breakdown for today's episode. And we're going to actually break this episode up in two parts because we want to make sure that our episodes aren't too long and they drag out and they're boring. We want to keep it exciting what? for you. That's the most important thing. And to keep boring. you focused. Yeah. Well, no, I feel like if it's like an hour long, people lose focus, right? Or is that just me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, studies show that anything that's like about 30 minutes or less, people tend to stay. Unless it's Game of Thrones. <laughs> or a reality show. But... <laughs> This has nothing or to do anything, with anything, any show other than ours. This has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. <laughs> True, right? You know, a, a show about nothing. I guess we'll just jump right in because we, again, we don't want to, we don't want to make yeah. these too long. We want to make them shorter. So we don't want to share too much about our information in our week. It's just, we're going to get right into the topic and the subject. And that's how we're going to do our future episodes. In this episode, a little little something I like to call fertility 101. And it's just really the more I've started to sort of research, you know, just based on like my own situation and 
uh, in trying to learn more about the processes and the options, I realize how much we're not taught as women about our bodies, <laughs> our reproductive organs. And, you know, because there's such this sort of shame or hush hush, you know, around sexuality. And that also includes, you know, our ability to reproduce and all of those conversations. So it's not until it's happening that you ever really think about them. And we also spend, you know, a good portion of our lives trying not to get pregnant and not really thinking about what it takes to get pregnant. So I think there's just a, a lot of factors that play into, you know, why we aren't really educated. But I think overall we are, you know, highly undereducated when it comes to, um, you know, our fertility, our reproductive processes, our bodies and everything related to that. I think that's why it's important to have open conversations with your children, especially if you're a mother and you have a daughter. And I know, like you said, people are uncomfortable with talking about sex and womenly issues. But I mean, I don't feel like I had any issue with that because at a young age, I learned a lot about women and what we go through. And I ask questions. I am the most curious person I know. So from a young age, I was always curious. So this is all new to me. And I do understand that the ignorance that women have, or just the population in general, men too, they're just ignorant when it comes to sex. And period. also I think because historically people were getting married much younger. And so of course your, your most fertile years are when you're younger. So if people, most people were getting pregnant and having families and didn't have to think about it, but we're living in a time where women are working, they are delaying starting families. And so maybe it wasn't as important, you know, in the way society was before, but it is more, more important now. And so, and the um, correlation between what we're putting in our bodies. Yeah. Exactly. And working harder and more stressed. Yes. So there's and our reproductive age, yeah. <laughs> you know, huge. and how that plays into it. So, so yeah, we're going to start off with the, like I said, women's body in general. And Amber has a few points or facts to point out. Yeah. So I, you know, in starting this process and of course I know, okay, you get your period, you're not pregnant. And that's again, and, and I'm <laughs> sort of speaking in absolutes, but we know there's not all absolutes. Some people they may get a period or light bleeding or whatever, but, but the idea is like, okay, you have your period, you're not pregnant, you can get pregnant sometime between your period ending and your period starting again. But like, I had no idea that it was, you know, ovulation was happening at a certain time consistently every month. And so I think one thing is did just you, wait, being aware. Did you know when you were younger, you could get pregnant when you had your period? Did you know when you started like in fifth or sixth grade that you could get pregnant? Yeah, probably not. No, because I think really? it was like 13. Oh, yeah. 12. I knew. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, I knew. But uh, I wasn't thinking about uh, sex, so like it didn't matter. But I don't think I was thinking, oh, I have my period now. That means I can get pregnant. And I, I think, uh, but in sex, sex ed, I think they're teaching that now because kids are getting pregnant at like 11 and 12 now. So yeah. <laughs> okay. So when did you first realize that or find that out? Certainly by the time, maybe like later in high school, I guess sometime oh, okay. in high school, okay. I would say. <laughs> You're going to say like your thirties. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Why would I say my thirties? I was Definitely kidding. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, not when I was 13, I was like the farthest thing from my mind. But and yeah. So, fine. so in these past few months, 
we have started because we've been trying naturally. And so we started doing the ovulation kits. And so, you know, I've learned about when I tend to ovulate. I'm, I'm fortunate in, in the sense that I pretty have, I have a very regular like 28 day cycle. Mm-hmm. So I'm usually getting my period every 28 days. And that's the first sign for women of potential fertility issues is when they do not have a normal cycle. So, and again, if you're on birth control, you're obviously controlling it for a reason. But if you're not on birth control and your cycle is, say, less than 25 days or longer than, I think they say, like 30 to 32, then there could be something going on there because Mm -hmm. your your period is triggered by the ovulation and when they're shedding the lining if you're not carrying a baby that month. So if you are having long stretches between your periods or short stretches, that means you might not be ovulating regularly. So there could be something going on there. And the ovulation is when the egg is released from the fallopian tube and that's when a sperm can potentially meet with the egg and fertilize and get pregnant. So if you're not ovulating regularly, then that's going to make it harder to get pregnant. So anyone who doesn't have a normal cycle, if you are, even even if you're not ready to get pregnant now, if you're thinking it's something down the line, it's definitely worth checking out just to make sure there's no issues there. And if there are, to be able to try to get ahead of it. Well, and also not even irrelevant to having a child it's just for your health women's health period like you could find out if you have endometriosis you you know fibroids you could have cancer so those factors all lead to those those issues ovarian cancer um breast cancer all of those factor in so it's important to just be aware and listen to your body and get to know your body yeah but i think um and i'm sort of speaking for those who have like consistently had irregular periods and not for any reason, like, like I said, taking birth control. Um, because if your period is changing and all of a sudden you had regular periods and now you are having irregular periods, yes, then there could be probably, you know, other issues related to that. It could be reasons to, to get it checked out. Um, but if you've consistently had these irregular periods, it could be something tied to, um, when you're ovulating or not, and that you're also maybe not ovulating regularly. Like I heard of someone who I think ovulated like twice a year. I've heard something like that. So, so yeah, that's with IUD too. Yeah. So that's the first sign is if you're having an irregular period and you're not on birth control, it's not intentional, then yes, it's worth going to get, um, right away checked out (laughs) definitely right away. So, yeah, so what I learned about myself is that my cycle is, you know, regular, and so I tend to ovulate fairly regularly, and so we've been doing the ovulation kits, which I have found to be helpful, and it was actually just in doing some research, there was um, different people who post, like, YouTube videos about, you know, what they may be doing to try to conceive, and so she had suggested doing the clear blue with these other strips and um because the other strips in part were a little bit like less expensive than the clear blue the clear blue is a bit expensive but you could track with the um the color on the strips as to the increase in your lh hormone so is this with saliva or urine this is urine 
Okay. So yeah, so the LH hormone, basically, like the closer you are to ovulating, the level rises. And so those ovulation kits basically test for your LH hormone. So again, if you try the ovulation kits after a couple of months and you never see a spike in your LH, you never get a positive test, that's another sort of indicator that maybe you should go to a doctor and see if something's going on. Because every woman, if you're ovulating, is going to have that spike in the LH. So, so yeah, so what they are is the clear blue is very easy. It's like a smiley face. It's either a flashing smiley face or it's a static smiley face. And if it's a flashing smiley face, it's basically saying your window um, and your opportunity to best conceive is starting. And so it's detecting those early LH level increases. And so then when you get to the static smiley face, that means you're at your peak and you will be ovulating in the next 24 hours or so. So sorry, did you mention this? When would you take this? You take it at the same time every month? So I use a, I supplement with a calendar. So, and because I am more regular, like 28 days, it's a Mm -hmm. little bit easier to predict when I might ovulate. So there's a window of about three days before you ovulate, which is your high fertility time. And then your highest peak fertility time is the day you ovulate and the day after. So if the calendar is saying that I'm supposed to start my window on Monday, I might start testing on Saturday or Sunday just to see because maybe there is a variation by your day or two depending mm-hmm. on the month. So a couple days before my window is um, predicted to start, I will start with those strips. And then the strip will tell me because it's, like a pregnancy test where you have like the control line, which is a dark line, and then your line fluctuates depend depending on, you know, the level of hormone. Got it. So if it's a light, if your line is light, then it's low levels. You're probably not in your window, but you can see it getting progressively darker. But is it important to perform <laughs> sexual activities during the light line? Because... Many say, and from what my research was when I was going through this process too, is, and I didn't do the ovulation kit, and I think that's been clear and stated, but having sex either on your period or right at the end of your period. So, because that egg, well, the sperm is in your system for up to, it can be up in your system for up to seven days. Yes, so, depending on the health of the sperm. Yes. Yeah. If you have a really powerful <laughs> Yes, <guy>. exactly. <laughs> if you have a very virile <laughs> but you But you never Man. know. So on those light days, I wouldn't wait. Are they suggesting wait to your, to your, uh, your smiley no, face? No, like, here's the thing. Like, you're not you still supposed be to be just having sex to get pregnant. So you should still continue to have okay, sex. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Are you relying solely on this, these sticks? Because... But you're just, you're, you're, you want it more for the mental part, but you're still. It's confirmation, right? It's confirmation (laughs) that it's happening in my body. And so, um, so yeah, so on the light days, then, I mean, it just depends if we are or not. We might not plan it on a light day, whereas we would plan it like once we start to see start planning it it on the light day i'm telling you that's how it happened for me but you don't do the test so you don't know what but i did but is this tmi this might be a tmi not last week's tmi (laughs) but i did i feel like many people don't this is another fact that women don't understand is that you can get pregnant while you're on your period and that is what happened to me so on that i guess 
quote unquote light day for me if I was <laughs> using the if I was using the ovulation kit, that is exactly the scenario that worked out for me. And you've had regular like twenty eight days. Yes, consistent. And that's how I and I mentioned in the last episode, like I knew the moment, like two weeks after I conceived, I something changed. I just I felt it. And uh, it just you you just have this moment where like, whoa. But I didn't I needed confirmation until I took took that test. And I only had one test and I had a test for like I think eight years. This test it still works. Oh my gosh. So I had one test. I took Are one. Are you sure t- you're pregnant? I took, <laughs> I took one test and it worked. But yeah, so I said go for the light days. Don't wait for those heavy days. Now now that we're using the term light days because it's yeah. what it's yeah. called according to your low, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Low days, your not so smiley day, smiley face day. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so yes, sperm can, you know, chill. <laughs> yeah, it can chill and preserve. I think probably anywhere from like two up to, to seven, seven days. Yeah, up to seven days. So yeah, if so you that's have a, a very, yeah. So, viral, you know, viral man, then be careful, <laughs> go ahead for it. Be careful on those, your period days. Right. Yeah. You if you're using, yeah. If you're using this as like a family planning, trying not to get pregnant, if you're using this advice, definitely, <laughs> definitely don't do that. All right. So that um, was, was that one of the tests or so we're in the, we're in the yeah. Test? So, so I use the two tests. And then, okay. like I said, I also, it's nice to see the smiley face, but I also like to I would be happy too. Yeah. <laughs> I also like to use the strips because then I can see the progress and I can see the increase in the hormone. And then I can predict pretty accurately when I've ovulated. So again, so we've talked about regular periods. We've talked about how that correlates to ovulation. And then the next sort of piece is like, okay, well, I have a regular period. I am getting these LH spikes. Okay, that's good. That's good. So what next? I'm still not getting pregnant. So next for me was taking other tests that help to sort of evaluate where I am on the fertility scale. Mm-hmm. So one of the tests is the FSH, which I've mentioned before because yes, I took that did. about a year ago, um, which is the follicle stimulating hormone. And this is in the hospital. This is at the doctor. You can just oh, go okay. to the doctors. It's okay. a blood test. Okay. So these are blood tests. Um, you do a blood draw. You do it on the second or third day of your cycle is ideal. And um, so you go in your second or third day of your cycle, you get your blood drawn. And what the test helps to measure is the follicles in your, um, in your ovaries. So the follicles are what produce mm-hmm. produce the eggs every month. And essentially your ovaries are communicating with your brain and your brain's commuting back to your ovaries. And so with the F- FSH test, essentially you want your number to be lower. The higher your number, the closer you're getting to menopause. So an oh. ideal, yes. Okay. So an ideal number would be around and that's to say that someone who you know is still has a good number of follicles and you know can probably get pregnant assuming no other issues um you know reasonably well has a reasonably good chance so once you start to creep up to like 15 or 16 there is concern about your um, fertility health and so for me I was over eight but I am still 
less than 15, 16. So it's still, it's kind of like a borderline. Like, yes, I'm not the peak fertility based on my FSH, but I'm still in a good range where I can conceive. And this was a year ago. No, I've taken it again this year. Oh, okay. So this one I took now, for the first time last year, and I took it again this year. Now, were the numbers, I was just going to ask, were the numbers the same? No, actually, my numbers were better this year. And so that's why I kind of want to talk about, too, like diet and supplements and all of oh. that. Um, but actually, my number was better this year than it was a year ago. Could it have ago. been the timing that you went, maybe? Well, I don't know. It could, I mean, there's several factors yeah, that could have played yeah, into I it. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but I think... Um, it's just like getting your blood sugar test done or your, you know, yeah. your heart rate. It's like not every time you do but it, I it's going to be accurate. But I will say all of my, a lot of my numbers were better this year. Oh, my okay. vitamin D was better. Like a lot of my vitals um, were better this year. And that's because I've made a conscious choice in these past, like really since we started trying for sure of um, what I'm eating, Cleaning supplements I'm taking. Out. Yeah, exactly. So the FSH is the first test. And the second test, also a blood test, and you they use the same blood draw from the second day of your cycle, second, third day of your cycle, is the AMH, and that's the anti-Mullerian hormone. And so this level, ideal level, is around two, um, but you have to be careful because anything over three can indicate other issues, PCOS, um, and then anything under, once you start getting under one, then you're getting into low fertility and fertility levels. So like a 0.1, 0.2, I've heard of women through IVF being able to get pregnant, but it's very difficult. You probably have to do many cycles. Yeah, yeah. And even like a fertility specialist says, yeah, the ideal is two. We'd like to see it too, you know, to um, have the best chances. So... I'm in the normal range for my age, say a 40-year-old woman, but I'm low normal because I'm a 40-year-old woman. (laughs) So so on the AMH scale, unfortunately, I'm over one. So that's an indicator that, okay, I still have a chance, but I'm also like a low normal because of my age. Just just nature. yeah. Yeah, nature takes its course and, you know these levels are starting to decrease. So the third test is the HSG. And the HSG is an invasive test where this is something you take, you know, you'd go to a hospital or an imaging center. And um, it's kind of like feels like a pap smear. Mm. So they're injecting, they basically inject like a iodine some sort of solution into your what kind of pap smears do you have honey <laughs> no no this this is the hsg exam but no the pap smear where they open you up and they i know they don't eject any no they swab you though yeah, but it's like that true. same kind of yeah, something inserted up there yes inserted up and swabbing but yeah it's definitely more intense than a swab they're sticking like a catheter up there and so they it's like what like they do to the eye for the dye to find out they've done do yes, different yes, areas of the body but again, a bit different when it's up your vagina. <laughs> and so, yeah, so they, so they eject the solution and then the solution shows the path from your uterus into your fallopian tubes, into your ovaries. Can you see the whole process on a TV screen? Well, they do have the screen. So, 
I know I can't I didn't oh. see the whole process they just showed afterwards oh. after it already okay yeah so they're able to see one are there any blockages they're able to look at the shape of oh, your wow. uterus so so issues that may come up in this test is some people have abnormally shaped uterus so it might be heart-shaped or it might be tilted. It might tilted back. So yeah, tilted yeah. back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, it helps to one identify whether or not you would be able to carry a child. So some the for some people the abnormality in their uterus is so severe that they wouldn't be able to carry a child because there's not room. Wow. So they they had showed this image of like a heart. So essentially that the heart shape would prevent the baby yeah. from being able to grow. Wow. So that, that uterus could not They showed this on child. you or just an example? No, 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 oh. not on me. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? No, this was, this was at a, a seminar. Exactly. That was, yeah, oh, that was discussing okay. it. So, so yeah, so this test is great because it shows whether or not you have a uterus that's able to carry a child. And then secondly, it shows if you have any blockage in your fallopian tubes or that's issues with your ovaries. So... Um, unfortunately for me, I do have a slight blockage on one of my ovaries. So that's going to make getting pregnant naturally more difficult for me. It didn't for Miranda, okay? (laughs) (laughs) She was a lawyer too. (laughs) But, you know, the good news is, is that I have won the sunblock. So So you have a lazy ovary. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I have a lazy ovary. So I, so that test is very helpful just in terms of being able to see, whether or not the sperm can actually get to where they need to go. And if they do, whether you can carry, you know, carry the child. So that would be my recommendation for the third test. Um, That is very important. Did you do, now, did you do the two follow-up tests both last year and this year, or just the two, the second two tests? Did you just do this year? The FSH was the only test I took last year. Oh, okay. So the AMH was the first time this year, and then the HSG was the first time this year. Okay, wow. I'm so fascinated they could do all of this stuff. I mean, everything, like just looking at a baby in ultrasound yeah, is crazy. But I, but I will say that some of the issues, if you do have some blockage, those can be fixed, though. So it is possible. It's not like even if you have a blockage on both sides, as long as you're, um, you're able to produce the eggs, they can extract them, even if there's a blockage. So it's not, you know. So it's not surgery. They're not going to like cut the blockage or yeah they they may Uh. they may have to do i'm not saying for me but if there are certain depending on the person depending on the person depending on what the blockage is they can i'm saying it can be corrected and this could have happened you've could have always had this yeah i could have always had it or could have been something that developed you know interesting over time yeah who knows so yeah so it's not you know it's not fatal (laughs) i'm sorry i would have no i'm just saying no i just um i i've would have asked too many questions so sorry if I'm asking some weird questions but I would have wanted to know did I have that have I had this all my life well they wouldn't be able to tell uh, me because yeah. they would have to compare it to another you know yeah and it's just <laughs> if they've tested like 16 year old girls have they seen this on them right instead right but yeah so the point being that even if there is some blockage it's not necessarily fatal and so it can be corrected and you can still you know get pregnant most likely it may have to be some sort of assisted pregnancy whether that's you know insemination or IVF but it's still possible and um goodness and then the other oh one other interesting um note that they mentioned too at the seminar was that it's not 
it's not the ability for women to carry children that um, is compromised as you age. It's really the quality and number of the eggs. eggs. So they said they can implant with like a donor egg. They can implant a woman up to like 55. Yeah, we've heard the yeah. case in Europe. It was sixty-year-old woman <laughs> yeah. who carried her own daughter's yeah, child. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, One so if it's just uterus. so if it's just about carrying a child, then that's something you can do for many years. But if you you are looking to have a child that's biologically yours and using your eggs, that's what you know. That's is really a little bit more difficult and. Why freezing so, is important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At a young age. Exactly. So for all you 26, 27, 28-year-olds, this is something you should really look into. Yeah, I would start thinking about it, 28 for sure, and then I would freeze by 30. If you were so, to do it all over again. Yeah, if I were to do it all over again. And um, even if you were in a relationship, because initially I was like, well, if I was in a relationship at 30, I don't know if I would. But but if we were not trying to have kids, if we weren't starting to try at the age of 30, I would, I would still freeze. Even if you're in a a long-term relationship, you have the money or you're single, I think I would still do it just for women who really want children. And also you will find out and better to find out when you're 30 than when you're 38, if there are any issues. Yeah. So all these issues, a lot of women who are doing IVF are in their early thirties. Like, Oh really? Yes. 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 Oh, I didn't know that. So there, you know, doctors are working with patients who are younger. It's not just women who are 40 plus trying to have Well, I wasn't just thinking kids. 40 plus. I was thinking mid thirties maybe, but I didn't know early thirties women were going through this yeah. Whole process. Yeah. Because they, they have issues, right. That they found out about earlier in time and they're trying to conceive. Proactive. So, yes. Yes. So definitely, um, you should start to kind of consider your, fertility and maybe starting these tests around that age just to understand where you are that is like and um my other question and this is one of the most important questions were all of these tests covered under insurance because fertility tests aren't generally covered under so the f the blood the blood tests were the HSG is still TBD. I'm like waiting to see if I get a bill, but I have a well, waiting to see if you get a well, bill no, because no one seems to know. Like it's, it was a lot of back and forth to like even get it scheduled and no one seems to know. I have uh, a carve out in my policy for fertility treatment, but it's capped at a certain amount. So I do have some, and it's really infertility. I have some infertility coverage under my insurance that I can do even certain IVF or IUI procedures and things, but it's only covered to a certain amount. For the HSG, there's a question of whether or not it would fall into my carve out. And if it does, I'll have some coverage, but I'll also have to pay, contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's just considered like a diagnosis purposes or um, preventative, maybe it would fall under my regular insurance. So you just have to talk to, you know, call your insurance provider, but it was, it was very difficult because no one seemed to understand what was going on in terms of what was covered for what. So, um, including including my insurance provider, but (laughs) I mean, it always changes. I feel like every year something new has changed and tweaked new policy because everything is evolving. Things are changing, especially when it comes to infertility, fertility issues. But I will say that when, um, I was at the meeting with the specialist, they were like, oh, do you work at NBC? And I was like, no. And they're like, oh, because they have great coverage for <laughs> infertility treatments. I was like, damn it. 
<laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, if you work at NBC, you're fortunate. There are a lot of production um, companies here, too, that have good fertility insurance. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. So those are sort of the three key tests to evaluate where you are on the fertility spectrum. And that's something that, you know, I would recommend to any woman and starting in your 30s, you know, um, to see where you are. If you haven't had kids yet and you're still thinking you may want to have kids or you definitely want to have kids. So those are the three main tests. And so, um, and then what about men? Are there any things that tests that men can do? Because I feel like a lot of men get insecure and don't necessarily, are not going to be as proactive as women when it comes to, they just think, yeah, I'm a man. Exactly. I can a exactly. I can. Well, interestingly produce. enough, like in the research that I've done, I would say about 50% of the couples having fertility issues and like a male, female um, relationship, it's the male factor. <laughs> it's not the woman. It's the male factor. Yeah, you guys. Okay. <laughs> Don't so, put it all on the woman. So, yeah. So there are, um, I mean, of course, it involves ejaculating. And I'm like, I'm, men really get like the the best end of all like they really have it easy in all of this like we have to go put our legs up have someone like poking and prodding specialist in our yeah <laughs> up our up our vajazzle as i call it and meanwhile they can just like jerk off and you know okay well we are more <laughs> complex okay there is more to us but yeah but um a couple of factors related to male fertility are one volume when they ejaculate are they producing a good volume and of that volume, how many sperm are, are they powerful? In that volume? <laughs> yes, exactly. So that's, that's the first part. Are you, um, producing enough? So the, um, one of the specialists we spoke to, they like to see at least like 20 million per milliliter. Some it's more around 15 million. So anything lower than that, you know, is going to make it more difficult. Um, and you're saying million and it's, that's surprising yeah. million yeah. Yeah. <laughs> below 15 million is yeah. Yeah. You're considered getting, a low you're number. getting into a great, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and then, but there's also things that men can do to increase yeah. to improve. So, um, but in terms of before they say, okay, you're a candidate to go through with IUI or IVF that they want to see 15 million per milliliter. Um, or nanoliter, <laughs> I think it's a nanoliter. Um, so it's the 15 million <laughs> that's throwing me. Um, so then, okay, you have the volume, but what about the motility? Because the sperm have to be able to move through the cervix, through the uterus, up through the tubes to find the egg. So if you have lazy sperm, then they're probably not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably going to get like so read it by, egg read it by some antibodies and <laughs> and beaten back <laughs> beaten back <laughs> so um so yeah so motility is very important i think i'm not sure what the acceptable range is but i believe it's somewhere like 60 percent plus like at least 60 percent need to have and at what stage did um because i do remember recall my doctor telling me just try for, we didn't get any to any of this talk. She just said, try for a year. And if after a year, you're still having issues, we'll test your partner. So that was the kind of the breakdown of time frame for us. But what was the time frame for you guys and him getting tested after what test? Well, he actually did. When did he do it? His first test last year when I did my FSH. And, um, 
just to get an idea. And th- he came back relatively normal and certainly for his age as well. So then he did another test um, a couple of months ago. Um, and so, and also interestingly enough, his numbers even improved a little bit. So, Go my, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Eating so for us, household. so for us, we knew that we weren't going to try naturally for a year before we started taking these tests and evaluating where mm-hmm. we were because of our age. So had this been say two to three years ago, I probably would have. I would have said, let's just try naturally for a year before we start taking these other steps. Now, knowing what you know now, do you think you would have done all this before you even got married? Taking this, I would have done this last year. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. And you would have been like, if I'm pregnant during my wedding, I will be fine with that. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. You can't, I mean, like, no, no, no. I'm not saying that we would have started trying, but that I at least would have lined up these other tests no. to kind of see where I was. Got it. Okay. Because I knew that we weren't going to be trying until I was 40, you know? So but you wouldn't have tried even before the wedding or all of that. Because I mean, also you only knew each other I mean, for yeah, a short we tried period a couple, of time. We tried a yeah. couple of months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, say, um, Hey, we, Hey, I'm Amber. Hi, I'm Mark. Okay. Let's <laughs> have a baby now. I mean, that's literally what you would have had to do. Right. Because- exactly. And we were talking about that too, just in terms of like the timeline, it's about as condensed as it could have been, yeah. you know, so you like, would have been families, meeting like, and then getting wanna, pregnant. We wouldn't have been wanting to like try and like, we hadn't even met each other's families and like, you know, have those conversations. So that makes sense. This is kind of the way it unfolded for us, but we knew that we weren't going to try naturally for a year. Like that we didn't have, we don't have that time. So after, um, really like around six months, we're like, okay, well we should start exploring our options and taking these steps. Um, so, so yeah, but yeah, so, so anyway, yes, women, we are part of it, but men are also a very important factor and they should go and get checked out. And if you have been trying and you're not conceiving, don't assume it's you, also make sure, you know, if you have a male partner that you're trying to conceive with, that he's getting checked out too. And also if you're a, a male and you're single, but you know, in the future you want to have kids, it's, it's good for you to be proactive too. Just don't wait for that moment that you find someone and then you're going to start this process. I think it's important for you to step up to and go, Hey, I can, you know, cause some men want to be single fathers They're you know, so it's, I think it's just the word and the action of being proactive is what we're trying to preach to you and trying to make you more aware of. We are going to actually wrap up this episode because again, we don't want it to be too long. So the next episode, we are going to focus more on the supplements and the medications. Amber mentioned that she's, well, not necessarily medications, but more the supplements that she started that made her egg count better and made. And diet. Yeah. Yeah. Diet and um, maybe more water cutting out things. And, and then also what stage she's at, she's mentioned a little bit about it at what stage she's at. And then we'll share our me moments at the end of the full two episodes that break down. Like we did a couple of weeks ago. I think we had kind of did it a little different. Um, so yeah. So in the meantime, while you have this long break to think about our next episode, it's so tantalizing and exciting to think about, Check us out on our website, befitandme.com, and also check out Facebook, and soon um, we'll be back on Instagram, but you can always check out Amber on her personal page if she does want to share her personal page, or you can email us at befitandme at gmail.com. Do you want to share your personal page? No. Okay. I think that's it, right? Do you have anything to add to this episode? This riveting? Actually, I learned a lesson. um, 
key information. I think the whole menopause thing, I think I want to go, I want to know what. what <laughs> now I, you want to take the test just to know how close you are to menopause? I mean, <laughs> yes. I feel like, I mean, I don't know. That's fascinating to me that they can figure that out. You know, am I going to go through menopause at 43 or 53? And it has nothing to do with your mom, right? Because, I mean, it's not a genetic thing. Well, no, they do ask you questions women. about your parents. Like, they ask you, like, what was the age of um, your mother when she had her, le- her first child and her last child? And so they do ask some questions about. Everyone's different. Everyone is different. Matter, yeah. Siblings, it's your very mom. important to, to remember that everyone is different. And I think it has a lot to do with what we're eating. But anyways, before we get on a tangent, like I always do, we will end this episode. And again, we'll follow up with those other points three and four of our list and then share the me moment. So we, we hope you enjoy your weekend, your week, have a great day at work, enjoy your family, enjoy the weather. It's almost summertime and we look forward to having a conversation next time. Have a good one, everyone. Bye. Bye. Until next time. Remember, stay sweet, stay sexy, stay sassy, but more importantly, be savvy. I think I got it all.